Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. We're going to begin a series and we're going to track through um, a portion of the journey of the, the Israelites out of Egypt and their journey to the promised land and what we can learn from that and how practically applicable that is to our life. Um, because there is so much in this journey and in this story that we can learn that can help us. How many need help today? I don't want to just get hyped on Sunday. I need help for Monday. That can help us in our journey and our walk with God and what God has for us in this day and age. We, we look at a group of people chosen by God that were living in an incredibly depraved society. Sound familiar? We're looking at a group of people who as whose God's hand is upon, but they are dealing with multiple challenges. They are oppressed, they are in captivity. And at this point where we're gonna pick up the story, they are in Egypt. And what I want you to see as we, as we track through this, through this um, journey is I want you to see uh, what we can learn. I want, us, I want to outline what we can learn from the way in which this journey um, was carried out and, and the challenges and the, the ups and downs that happened because there were mistakes that were made both by Moses, both by the children of God, but there were also lessons that were learned and how we can apply it to our life because how many believe that God has something greater for you? And six of you, awesome. I'm incredibly encouraged by those six. There is a, we talk about it and, and we use the terminology um, and this is where we get it from. We talk about the promised land. This was where these Israelites were headed to. It was a promise from God that He's gonna take them to this location. It was a geographical location that they called the promised land. And how we interpret that today in church is typically what we do is we basically gather up everything that we want God to do in our life and we call that the promised land. Every bit of breakthrough, every bit of miracle almost sort of falls under this category of this sort of utopia that we've created in our mind and this place that one day we're going to arrive at where we're not going to have any problems, any issues and we're going to have the warm fuzzies and life is just going to be butterflies and skittles for the rest of our days. And, and it's really not a reality. I hate to break it to you. But what I want to do is that I'm, I want to actually teach you some truths within this journey whilst we understand, yes, there is this place that God has called us to. It's not a geographical location, but it is a place within our perspective that we have, a mindset and a freedom that we live in that is so kingdom oriented that even though we may be in Egypt, so to speak, by way of a fallen world, we can still live with a peace within our heart and an assurance in knowing who we are in God and what God has called us to do. This here is what you could call this promised land. Because understand, if you know something of the story, the promised land still had some battles in it when they got there. And this is a great picture for us as to what real life is really like. That you can still be living for God and still face battles, but know that living for God has equipped you with everything you need to walk victorious in every battle that you face. Does that make sense? Awesome. So what I wanna do is I wanna read a couple of verses and then I wanna preach a very um, quick message for you. And I'm gonna give you three things to write down, but I'm gonna preach something for you that I see in this story as being somewhat of an, of a overarching theme 
or a thread that, that runs all the way through this story. The verses that I wanna preach from um, or use this morning is Exodus 6 and verse 6. It says this, Therefore, say to the children of Israel, this is God speaking to Moses, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, I will take you as my people and I will be your God, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. As I've been reading through this journey and studying it and, and looking at all of the different challenges, all of the different obstacles, the moments where they fell, the moments where they did good, the, the, the lessons that they learned throughout it, the miracles that God did, I was struck with this reminder, and this is what I want to preach to you this morning. That's a real simple thought, but I think it's going to help you because it helped me. The simple reminder that God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And I know it's basic, but even as I say those words out of my mouth, I feel a sense of hope within my heart and a surety that no matter what I face and no matter what's going on and no matter what I'm dealing with, I can take strength in knowing that God's got a plan. That when it doesn't make sense and I feel anxiety in what I'm experiencing today or what I may not know what's gonna happen tomorrow, that I can still stand secure in simply knowing that God has got a plan. This is something that I want you to write down. I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. I want you to put it on your phone and text yourself. I want you to write it on your mirror at home. I want you to put it on the dashboard of your car. And I want you to remind yourself every single day this week, whenever you come up against something that's difficult, whenever you feel anxiety, whenever you don't understand, when you face that moment where you don't understand why you're dealing with the challenge that you're still dealing with and it hasn't turned around and you don't know why you've been dealt these cards, that's when I want you to read it out loud in your car, stuck in traffic at the 405 after work, instead of cussing out the car beside you for not moving over, tell yourself that God's got a plan. In the story of the Israelites, right at the very start, and I want you to see something here that's an interesting thought surrounding God's plans for our life. I wanna give you three things that I want you to write down. I want you to see in Exodus chapter one, we find Exodus chapter one of verse 22 gives us a little insight as to the level of depravity and the size of the problem, the level of depravity in the land and the size of the problems that the children of Israel were facing. And it says this, it says, So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. This, this verse here gives you a glimpse as to how messed up this society is and how evil this Pharaoh was. This was the society that the people were living in. This is the problem, right, that they're facing. This is not a small problem. This is not normal. This is crazy. But what I want you to see, the next verse, and this is so interesting, 
The very next verse, which is chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And a man of the house of Levi went, took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, uh, he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And if you know the story, you know actually what happens. This, of course, we're talking about the birth of Moses. We know Moses was ended up becoming the deliverer of the children of Israel. So I want you to see what, ha- what is happening here. There is a problem by way of the Pharaoh has issued this decree that they're gonna kill all of the baby boys. And as a result of the problem, the mother of Moses, because of the problem, the mother of Moses takes Moses, puts Moses in a basket. If you know the story, what happens is Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. Finds Moses in the basket, takes up Moses, takes Moses to his house and raises him. As a result of being put in the basket, his position now is radically changed from just a kid in the basket. Now he's a kid in the palace. Moses grows up in the palace and because of the position that he has in the palace, even when he escapes out to the desert, he comes back and Pharaoh knows who he is. So he immediately gets a voice with Pharaoh. Why? Because Pharaoh knows who he is. And because Pharaoh knows who he is, he gets a voice with the Pharaoh. And as a result of getting a voice with the Pharaoh, he's able to influence the Pharaoh. And then through that influence with over the Pharaoh, he's able to actually lead God's people out of Egypt. What I want you to see is this all started because there was a problem. If there was never a problem, Moses' mother would have never had to put him in the basket. The first thing that I want you to write down surrounding the idea that God has a plan is I want you to write down that my problems play a part. My problems play a part. And I know that sucks. And I know you hate to hear it. And you don't wanna write it down, but I want you to write it down anyway. Because I want you to see that more often than not, the problems that we face are setups to the plans that God has. That sometimes your problems give your promise the little push that it needs to happen. Look at the life of David. The first thing that we think about when it comes to David is David and, say it like you're awake, David and? That's the first thing you think about. Now we know that story and we think of that story as being something that represents a great victory. Why? Because we know what happened. We have the luxury of hindsight. We can look back and we know David and Goliath represents a victory because that's what David had. But how many know that when David fronted up to Goliath, David was not facing a victory yet. David was facing a problem. And look at what happened in David's life. Because of the problem, it created an opportunity for a victory. And because of the victory, David's position was elevated and he was set up to become king. The turning point for David's life was a problem. Think of the life of Daniel. Finish this for me. Daniel and the? Say it like you're awake. Daniel and? Now, same thing. We think of Daniel and the lion's den as being something that was a victory. It represents a victory. Only because we know what happens. 
But how many know that the lion's den, facing a lion's den, you don't need to be too smart for me to tell you that's somewhat of a problem. If you didn't know it, but lions eat people and we are people. (laughs) This is a problem. But I want you to see because I'm, I'm, I'm painting a picture for you as to how God's plans are outworked in your life. And many of you are praying away something that God is trying to use to position you in the plans God has for you. Now, I'm not saying don't pray. You might be facing problems. I'm not saying don't pray, but I am saying pray prayers based on Scripture and say, God, Your Kingdom come, Your will be done. Because God's will for you in that moment may not be that the problem disappears straight away. It may need that. It may be that the problem is the very thing that you need to grow through, to set you up, to be what you're going to need to be in order to walk in God's plan for your life. My problems... My problems are a part of it. And I think this is a lesson that we as the people of God need to learn because we, get, we are too weak when it comes to challenges. And we take a hit and we freak out and we question our faith and we get rattled and we wonder where God is and we start praying, praying, praying. And I think all of that's great and I'm all great, all for prayer. But, but don't think that the plans that God has for your life are so fickle and so frail and so surface that, that the next problem you face is gonna thwart what plans God has for your life. My Bible tells me that God works all things for the good. All things means what? All things. Do you know what's included in all things? Problems. Problems. I have this guilty pleasure where I will sit at home whenever I have like a a, a night off and I will sit and I will watch episode after episode of MasterChef. (laughs) I know, I just love it. Um, I love to cook. I love to cook for my kids and I watch MasterChef and what they'll do is if you're not familiar, they have all these home cooks and they come in and they do different challenges. And one of the, one of the challenges that they do is they will, they will select, the judges will select a, 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 some random ingredients and put the random ingredients before each of the different contestants and they basically have to take those ingredients and they have to make... Um, you know, a meal with those ingredients that's, you know, restaurant quality. And dependent on on the contestants' level of experience uh, or culture that they're from or different foods they're familiar with, the challenge can be uh, harder for other contestants than others. And what happens is you'll have one contestant will come in and and the ingredients will be presented to them and they'll freak out because they have no idea. They've never seen a particular ingredient before. They have no idea what it goes with and they're scrambling trying to pull something together. But you'll have another contestant that will walk in and they'll see these ingredients that some of them, whilst they were random to the first contestant, the second contestant will see them and will be very familiar with them. And they'll often say some sort of a story of, yes, I was travelling through India or I was travelling through Asia and that's where I was introduced to that ingredient. I'm familiar with it. I know, I know what it is. It's a problem to them, but it's not a problem to me. 
This is how God works because what happens is when we are looking at, if you like, the ingredients of everything that we're dealing with and included in those ingredients are problems that we look at and we wonder, God, how are you going to work this into the plan you have for my life? You need to be reminded that when Jesus hung on a cross, Scripture tells us that He took everything on Himself when He went on that cross. Every bit of pain, every bit of hurt, every bit of torment, every single thing that you feel as a result of your problems is not new to God. So when God walks in and He sees the ingredients before Him, that being our issues and our problems, God is familiar with it because He's already walked in it when He hung on the cross. It's not new to Him. So what God can do is He can look at this problem and say, you know what, I'm gonna use all of that because this has not caught me by surprise. I know exactly what that feels like. I know exactly what's going on here. I felt that on the cross. And if you'll trust me and give it to me, I will work it together and I'll use this mess to become a message for your life. And this problem will play an integral part in my plan for your life. My problems actually play a part. They play a part. We need to understand what God is doing through our problems and the fact that they're an integral ingredient to God's plans for our life. You will worship different when you're walking through hell. It won't, your worship won't sound pretty, but it will be deeper. That's the gift the problem gives you. I'll worship different. Your praise doesn't become a sacrifice of praise until it hurts to do it. Praise in church on a Sunday when you've had a great week and the band is singing the song you like, that's not a sacrifice of praise. That's church karaoke, bro. Welcome to Sundays. <laughs> But when you had to fight hell to get here and you walked in the doors not even really believing if God has anything to do with a plan for your life and you're facing hell in your marriage, in your finances, with your kids and you still choose to sing that song out loud even though it hurts you physically to do so, that's where it's a sacrifice. I praise different. I do things different. I live different when I'm in a battle. I read different. I, 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 I guard myself. I'm, I'm, I'm in a different space when I'm in a fight. I choose my friends wiser when I'm in a battle. Because I need jokers around me that know how to fight. And I don't need people that are going to waste my time and surface level relationships just because they like hanging. I, 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 that, those, those things in a fight, you don't have time for. And, and it'll take a problem for you to work out who your real friends are and the people around you that you need close. And, and as you go through the problem, you're going to realise when the rubber hits the road, you're going to realise that there's certain people in your life that, that can't take the battle that you're in. This is where the problem can be a great blessing because you look at everything very differently. Your problems 
they play a part. And we need to understand this as the body of Christ because too often we are freaking out and we live this in reaction to what the world's doing and what's going on around us. We've got to get better at dealing with challenges. We've got to get more stable and more secure in knowing who our God is and who we are and the plans God has for our life. That if God says, I'll work all things for the good, He means that He's gonna work all things for the good. And the crap that you're walking through right now that you wish was not real, God is saying, I'm gonna use that if you walk through it the right way. It's, it's our problems play a part. I want you to see in the story, as you look through this, this story, there's this, this reoccurring theme within the plans of God. Um, you see it in Exodus 15 verse 23 to 27. You see it again in Exodus 16 verse 12 and so on. Exodus 15 verse 23 to 27 is where the Israelites come to that place where God makes the bitter water sweet. They came to a, to a pool and they went to drink from it, but it says the waters, the waters were bitter and it said that God made it sweet. And it actually says there in verse 25, it says there it was at this place that the wording is that He tested them. And then in verse 26 again, it says, He said, if you will diligently heed my word or heed what I say. Further down in, in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 12, it says, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And if you follow this, this journey that the Israelites are on and, and God's interaction with them, you see that God is more focused. He is less focused on what God is gonna do for them and He's more focused on what He's trying to do in them. Because there's no need for, for God. God. Understand God is God, right? And He's pretty good at being God. He, he doesn't really need our help. I know that's a sobering thought, but it's true. He doesn't need our help. It's, it's, he created the world in seven days. Like, you know, he, he just spoke stuff and did it. He doesn't need Moses to, to strike the rock, to get water out of it. Why, why are you do, what are you doing, God? Why? He doesn't need him to do that. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need the blind man to go and wash the mud off his eyes to be healed. He could just do it. Do you ever think, God, why are you messing with me? Just do it. Just, what are we doing here, you know? Why, why is there this theme all throughout Scripture? If he, because He understands the connection between our obedience and our breakthrough. And, and, and the obedience, in order to walk in obedience, what, what walking in obedience is doing, it, it's not like the obedience unlocks the breakthrough as much as the obedience unlocks me. Right? And because in order to be obedient, I've got to set aside my ways and embrace God's. Because my ways and His ways are different. And, and, and I'm very good at locking into my ways. I have great ways. Just between you and me, I think I've got some pretty good ideas on what God should do with my life. Do you feel the same? I do. I think, I think if God would listen to me sometimes, I feel like I could really help Him out. Because I feel like he takes me down roads that were very unnecessary. 
And, and I still fail to see how helpful that part of the journey is to my life. And I have some things written down on my little list of, of where my life should go and, and what my 5, 10, 15 year plan should look like, but he doesn't seem too interested in it. And this is what we do. We, we, we take, this is what our prayer list more often than not is made up of. Our prayer list is made up of my ways. But we know, Isaiah tells us, that my ways are different to his ways. And that's where I get stuck embracing his ways because I'm so hanging on to my ways. But what I need to be reminded of is his ways are not just different, they're better. Okay. And, and you will let go of your ways and live a life of surrender that will set you up for purpose and blessing like you've never known. If you will start to believe, truly believe in your heart that God's ways are better. Amen. And your ways might be good according to your standard of good, but God ways, God's ways are good according to His standard of good and His standard of good is better than yours. And if we would surrender our life completely, and this is something we have to do daily, that's why Paul said, I take up my cross daily, we would lay aside our ways that more often than not are getting in the way of what God wants for us. And we would much quicker embrace God's ways. But this journey I want you to see for the people of God and the journey that God was taking them on, was less, they were so fixated upon what they were gonna get from God. They were so locked into, we want this, we wanna get there, we wanna be here. They were so focused on what they were gonna get from God. God was focused on what He was trying to do in them. The second thing that I want you to write down about God's plans for your life is that everything is personal. Everything is personal. He's, he's not trying to do something for us. Remember, we talked about it when we were talking about freedom last month. There's not something God wants to do for you. It's something that God wants to do with you. But if God's gonna do something with you, He's gotta do something in you. And if we would understand this and understand that there is a personal work that God is doing in my life, that is actually preparing me for the next season that I'm gonna step into. And, and the longer we reject the work that God's trying to do in us, the further we delay what God is trying to do for us. In fact, Psalms 37, 23, to 24, we know this. You hear me say this a lot. It's a scripture for my life that the steps of a good man are ordered, they are established or firm or certain by the Lord. And he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not only be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. He delights, he delights, it means he's, he's pleased, it means he takes pleasure in. His ways. 
God is so desperately trying to do a deeper work in us to prepare us for what He has for us. In fact, in this story, and we'll look at it in the coming weeks, in this story, the very reason they missed out on walking in the promised land, that generation that did, was because they would not embrace the work that God was trying to do in them. And we are so transactional in how we think about God. And we too often think of God like this Santa Claus or this genie in a bottle where if I do this, then you do that. But He's so relational, He's so personal, He wants to take us on a journey. And it's a journey of working who we are to prepare us to be able to handle what it is we want. And so many people that, you know, especially single people, single people praying for a spouse and they're saying, God, bring me a hot wife. <laughs> and a better prayer to pray is God, mould me and shape me into the man of God you want me to be that a hot wife will be attracted to. Well, you know, it's Sunday, so let's say a woman of God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Don't email me. But it's a better prayer to pray, isn't it? Married people know what I'm talking about. Because you don't understand, often we don't understand what it is we're praying for. And so many single people are praying, God, I want to get married, God, I want to get married. And then do you know what happens? The moment you get married... You want to snap the neck of the spouse that before you got married, you loved them. That's just what marriage does. Don't look at your spouse. Just keep eyes straight ahead. I'm helping you. It's, listen, it's just the truth, isn't it? Do you know why? Do you know why? Because the enemy hates marriage. He hates it. He hates marriage. He hates the nuclear family. That's why he's trying to destroy it in society right now. He hates the foundation that it is and the stability that it is for kids. He hates the identity that they get through the nuclear family and the stability of that structure. So he comes against it and he attacks it. But that's why we have to embrace the work that God is trying to do in us to prepare us for what God has for us. The same happens with business people. So many business people, they want to grow their business, but they're not allowing God to do the work in them to be able to handle the level of business that you have right now. If, not, if you're not stewarding what you have right now, you can't believe for what God has for you next. This is how God's plans work. But we have to embrace this, this, this work that God is doing in us. What is God working on in you right now? We should all be able to answer that very quickly because I bet you could answer quickly, what are you praying for? What are you believing for? I want this, I want that, I want that, I want that. But how quickly can you answer, what's God speaking to you about in you? Remember the verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We love this, we quote this. All right, you'll be able to probably finish it for me. You ready? It says, well, this is how we quote it. Let's look at how we say it and then let's look at what it really says. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. That's how we quote the verse. Have you heard that in church before? You probably heard me say it. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it and God's gonna get it done. And we quote that in prayer meetings 
and we quote that and we pray that over situations that we want God to change. But we're quoting it wrong because it doesn't say confident of this, that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. It says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Where's the work happening? In me. But we misinterpret it as being the focus of God's faithfulness is to complete a work that God's doing for me. God didn't say He's doing a work for you. He said He's doing a work in you. And then you know what? It gets worse. Listen, it gets worse. Don't you hate it when Scripture goes from bad to worse? And we'll carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know that God is gonna be working on you and dealing with your crap forever? Dear Jesus, that sounds exhausting, doesn't it? But it's true. And you know why I say it like that? Because you may as well embrace it now because that joke is not gonna let up on you tomorrow. He's gonna keep riding you until the very last day of your life. And even then you're still gonna be growing if you will embrace the work that God is doing in you. When it comes to God's plans, it's all personal. It's all about what He's doing in me. Focus your prayer life on God, show me where I need to grow. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And then, and then you will be amazed. You will be amazed at the things that will just fall into your lap simply because you're ready for them. The last thing I want you to write down. The last thing I want you to write down. First one. First one is problems play a part. The second is everything is personal. And the third is patience is essential. I hate this point so much. I don't like being patient. I'm not good at patience. I don't know where my daughter learnt this, but she actually says to me now, she's four going on 27. And literally she said to me the other day, I was in the car and um, I was waiting for uh, to go in through the car wash and the person in front of me um, was um, demon possessed and didn't, <laughs> didn't know how to drive. And I was trying with all of my might to practise the fruits of the Spirit, but I was failing dismally. Some of you are not coming back next week, hey? You're like, that dude's not even saved. My daughter, she's four. And, and she says, Dad, be patient. I said, if you don't keep your mouth shut, young lady. Dad, be patient. I said, Leo, I said, what does patient mean? Literally, God is my witness. I said, what does patient mean? She said, it means you wait your turn. I said, in Jesus' Name, get behind me, Satan. 
patient. We are great, well, dependent on your personality type and how you're wired. Faith without works is dead, right? We know that. But I've found sometimes it takes more faith to stand still than it does to step out. And dependent on how you're wired and your personality type, you may find one or the other more challenging. I don't find the stepping out faith as challenging because I want to I want to go. I'm, I'm let's go. Let's let's do it. You want me to do it, God? Let's do it. If it fails, it fails. But let's just go. Let's go. And then God will say to me, "Wait." I'm like, "Wait for what? What am I supposed to do? No, nothing. Just wait." I don't want to lie down in green pastures. Have you ever said that to God? <laughs> don't make me do something I don't want to do. But He says, "I'll make you." lie down in green pastures. And I found that for me and the way I'm wired, it takes more faith for me to lie down than it does for me to step out. Because the lying down takes patience and I'm not good at sitting still. But there is so much strength comes to us as believers when we are patient. He increases strength. It says Isaiah 40, and I'm going to close. Isaiah 40 verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who, say it out loud, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's a different strength that you're getting right now by being patient. It's a different strength. It's a trusting in God. It's a strength that you couldn't get if you were running. And if you would be patient and surrender your ways, God will give you the strength that you need to step into the next season. There's a strength that comes. He renews your strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. One of the things that eagles have so great is vision. As you wait in the Lord, And as you're patient and as you see God, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get spiritual. You'll start to see things in the Spirit. And that sounds spooky, but you need to understand this because where God is taking you, you're going to need that. And you don't want to step into it prematurely if you don't have the right spiritual vision to see what's happening. Because what God has called you to is so great that it's going to require a greater level of you. But you're not going to learn that if you don't know what it is to be patient. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Endurance, patience, you will, you will gain endurance. Endurance to stand when you feel like giving up. Endurance to keep going. Endurance to keep believing. Endurance to keep praying, to keep declaring when you feel like it's hopeless. You're not gonna learn that if you don't know what it is to wait. Patience when it comes to God's plans is essential for our life. So what is God speaking to you about in your life right now? 
Where is He challenging you? Because I want you to live encouraged in knowing that God has a plan. But I also want you to live challenged so that you leave here asking God, God, what is, what are you speaking to me about me? What do I need to do? What do I need to work on? Because the longer we delay the work that God's trying to do in us, the longer we'll delay the work that God wants to do for us. And for many of you, you're frustrated at what God has not done for you. But God's trying to redirect your focus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.